Hi there, I'm Alan Mann, and this is Stories in Stride, brought to you by American Region Animal Health and makers of Ataquan IN. In this series, we take a glimpse into the remarkable true events of those who have left their mark on our equestrian community. We hear the heartbreaks and triumphs and the untold stories of our equestrian heroes and their amazing animals. The journey starts now. Today, our special guest is Beatrice de Lavalette. After losing her legs and nearly her life in the 2016 Brussels airport bombing, Bia made a choice to regain her freedom of being on a horse and never let go of her dreams even during the darkest of days. The accident may have cost her legs, but only strengthened her spirit and resolve. She was back on a horse just five months after the bombing and hasn't looked back since. Today, at the age of 21, she is laser-focused on representing the USA as a grade two para-equestrian at the 2021 Tokyo Paralympic Games. Her story is one of strength, courage, and hope, and choosing to make the best of life, regardless of the circumstances. Please welcome this amazing equestrian and dear friend, Bia. Well, hello, everybody who is listening. <laughs> you have been on the most amazing journey, but I'm really interested to really understand where your journey with horses began. I actually like to say that I was born in horses <laughs> uh, because my whole family rode horses uh, and I'm the youngest of three. So everybody rode horses before me. And I went to my first horse show when I was about three weeks old. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So let's fast forward. Um, so your parents agree to buy you this horse, uh, uh, PRE mare named Delgada X. You know, you have this horse and you're in the process of uh, relocating to Florida. Tell us about your life at that time and uh, your early relationship with Didi. I was in my junior year of, of high school. So we were starting to prep our, our move back to the States. The start wasn't great because I was angry. I had to leave France and all my friends. And I had taken a break from horses. And my parents thought that the easiest way for me to kind of go back into it was to find a horse to either lease or buy. Um, an older lady who had owned Dee Dee in the past had just bought her back from a from a breeder um, and pretty much kind of gave her to me. And then a month after having her, we decided to buy her officially. Yeah. And that began your um, journey at the time in the dressage world, right? Um, in like the bigger dressage world. I, I rode a little bit of dressage uh, back in France, but only club level. So at this point in time what were your goals what were you thinking you could accomplish in the dressage world when i got her i was 15 so i was just kind of enjoying having my horse and riding and taking care of her while going to high school and going out with some friends and stuff like that so it, it mixed in relatively well and it gave me some responsibility that i was lacking and she she came into my life at the perfect point. 
you weren't really thinking about the Olympics or anything like that at this stage? Not at all. (laughs) So so here we are. You're getting ready to uh, make this trip to Florida on March 22nd, 2016. And then your world just falls apart. Can you share with us? Yeah, it was a a regular travel day. Got up early, got my stuff, and got in taxi to go to the airport. I actually thought I was going to die in the taxi because he was driving so fast. (laughs) Um, And as soon as we got to the airport, I was like, okay, I can breathe now and take my time. Um, So I got my stuff, suitcase in one hand, skateboard in the other, and went into the Delta area to check in. All of a sudden, uh, everything went dark. Uh, And I was standing right next to the first uh, terrorist bomber um, out of the two. And I was about six feet away. Yeah, he was right next to me um, and automatically lifted up into the air. broken legs, shattered ankles, uh, and then uh, just various internal injuries and upper body injuries. So you were aware of everything that was going on? When I, so I was, I was knocked out by the initial impact, but I came to in the airport before any first responders um, were allowed to enter because there was a second bomb about 10 seconds after the bomb that I was in. Um, And there was a third bomber as well, but that one was not detonated. So they had to detonate the the third one first with the bomb squad before they could allow anybody in. So it it took a long time for the first responders to, to get to the victims. I assume you were in some state of shock and... Um, I'm, I mean, I, I came to, um, and I remember looking up, but I was, I was lying down and I, I couldn't move too much. Um, and I saw that my legs were broken pretty badly, but it was kind of that weird slow motion, um, feeling once I got my hearing back and I was like, okay, I need to. I need to call for help. So I started screaming for help in, in both French and English. Um, and I finally got the strength at one point to throw my hand up. And luckily one of the uh, first responders that was um, with the hose to, to, to put down some of the fires saw me in and he called over some people and they picked me up and took me outside. Um, and I remember seeing the difference in colors between the dark room and the sky. Uh, and that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Can't imagine. So, you know, when you're going through uh, your recovery, uh, you talked about something that just clicked in your brain and that you were going to not only find the courage to survive, but to thrive. Here you're 17 years of age. Where did that thought and that whole process come from? I don't know where it came from, um, but I just knew that this was not the end for me. And I had to get back to regular life. Um, and I, for some reason, really missed high school, which 
I was not the best student and that's how much I wanted to get out of the hospital. I just wanted to go back to school, stay in class and just go back to everyday life. So five months after the bombing, you're back in the saddle on DD. Yep. <laughs> Tell us what that first ride was like. It was interesting because um, I, I mean, I had no muscle, no, I was really skin and bones at that, still at that point. It was my first uh, outing out of the hospital and rehab. I wasn't supposed to get on um, normally, but my, my uh, physical therapist was like, okay, well, we're here, so might as well get on. <laughs> and so they strapped me up in my corset uh, type thing to make sure that my my back and spine stayed stable and I had one of my friends who was actually riding her she was on the saddle and I had four people lift me onto the the, the saddle and I sat in front of her and like five people holding my legs and making sure I, I wasn't sliding or anything because I had no control at that point and that was my my first day back but it was the first feeling of normalcy that I had. And it, it was that that really helped me regain that confidence and that will to live um, was getting back on DD and then just getting out of the hospital and the rehab and, and going back to, to regular life. So here we are. Um, you've been through more than anyone could ever imagine. And now you have this opportunity to possibly compete for the USA Paradressage team at the 2021 Tokyo Paralympics. Yeah. Would you have ever thought that possible? <laughs> <laughs> really, when the subject came up, I was like, yeah, you know, that'd be cool, but I never, never really thought that we would make it happen. And then one day when I was still in the hospital and the U.S. ambassador to Belgium came to visit me, great lady, and she, we were just looking up the dates and we both made a pact that in four years I would be in Tokyo. Um, and that, that's where it started. Wow, so, so you committed yeah. to that ambassador that you were going to get there. Yeah, to her and to myself. And it gave me something to look forward to and to fight for. And when you lose your legs and you can't walk, you lose a lot of confidence and the will to live. And that really gave me something to strive for. Wow. So prior to the bombing, um, you would just go out and, and go ahead and ride. Yep. So today, walk us through the effort that you and others have to go through to, to do that, to get you on the horse. Prior to the accident, it was a very solo act. Um, I could do it all on my own, and now it's a whole team. It, it really takes a, a village to, to get me just on the horse. Um, so I have my great grooms that uh, prep the horse, get them nice and clean and, and ready to go. Um, and then Shayna gets them ready and then I get on. And we go through the things that I need to work on and learn. Um, 
And I think a month ago, I did my first flying change with her, which I had never done ever before, um, even before the accident. Um, and I'm learning so much um, with that horse. It's, it's just been a great experience. Wow. And so what do you have to do every day to uh, condition your body to, so that you can go out there and do this? Um, well, I have a, a, a personal trainer that I go and see twice a week. Um, and then doing stuff in the barn. I'm normally responsible for feed and it doesn't seem like a lot, but feed is really heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so moving some stuff around as well and then helping with the horses. And I don't like just letting people do everything and I like to help. So I clean feet, I wash the horses, I put stuff in the wash, I clean the saddles or the bridles. I like to work as a team and all of that makes it possible. So I'm um, interested to understand the transition from Shana when she's riding the horse. Shana takes the time to explain everything and I what I do is I, I watch her while she rides to mimic and learn what she does with her hands and her body to for when the horses do the same thing to me I know what to do. That's phenomenal. Wow. You know something that I find that really just tugs at my heart when I'm at a, uh, a para competition and I'm um, interacting with uh, so many different people that have to deal with uh, so many different uh, challenges every day. Something that I for sure take for granted. And I think about like a person like you that uh, was a healthy, vibrant, young teenager, and then your life changed overnight. And I just think about, um, you know, someone at such a young age that could have just gave up on life. So what message can you share with others who are dealing with hardships in life? It always gets better. Um, and it's not easy, but if you surround yourself with the right people and the right animals, life will get easier. I say that if it's okay, if you need to go talk to someone, you see a therapist or even talk to a friend. I mean, that's kind of why they're there for and support you. I definitely know that without my friends and family and my animals, I would not be here because they gave me the happiness that I lost for a little bit just a little bit of of that happiness kind of opened up so much more you know scars heal they don't hurt forever um and it's the same thing with the heart and the mind i remember talking with you um, a while back and you had um, talked about the the surgeon, that he shared something with you that really resonated. Can you, can you share that with our listeners? Yeah, the, I remember it almost every day. And the quote was, you don't want to be known for what happened to you. You want to be known for what you did with it. And 
I live by that every day. It keeps me going and it gives me the extra push to want to help more people that unfortunately have been in the same situation or have had their own situation that wasn't the best and being able to give them that extra mental health that I was given as well. Well, you are definitely a testimony to that. So finally, um, what advice would you offer to parents of a young child with disabilities who loves horses? Don't ever say no to them. Horses are incredible animals and there are therapeutic centers where kids can go and when you're on a horse you don't feel different you just feel like a normal person and everybody wants to feel like that after the accident my parents never stopped me from doing anything uh, if anything they encouraged it because yes i'm a little different now but i'm still a human and i want to do all of the fun stuff and if I have to adapt to it, that's okay. But yeah, any, any of you parents out there, horses are awesome. So let your kids ride them. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful, Bia. Well, I just want to thank you for sharing this most amazing journey. And yeah, I'm excited to just see you live out your dreams and you accomplish your goals. Thank you very much, Alan. I appreciate that. As always, thanks for listening. Before you go, please take a minute to subscribe to this podcast. We want you to be the first to know of the incredible stories we have lined up in the coming episodes. Till then, happy riding.